0: All right. Good morning, friends. Happy Sabbath. I am in my Jeep because it is raining outside. I had uh, looked forward to being in the prayer garden again this Sabbath morning. And so I came over here. And uh, to be honest with you, I still intended to sit at the table. I brought a jacket This is a weird insight into me. I actually got out of the Jeep, I put on my jacket and thought, yeah, I'm gonna get set up. And then I thought, oh, I'm planning to read through a whole chapter of scripture, and I have a paper with a few notes on it. Uh, I don't think rain is going to treat those very well. So here I am uh, in the Jeep, uh, but I strategically positioned it so that you can see uh, that the garden is in the background. Hi friends that are joining. It's good to see you guys. I'm uh I'm wondering if Dottie Chinnick will join just to see a picture of the uh of the prayer garden. Figured I'd orient it so she could see another piece of it this Sabbath. So one of you might want to text her and say hey Pastor Steve is uh checking attendance this morning. It's uh it's good to see each of you coming on board. Uh What a blessing, and uh, maybe just a few musings as we're kind of getting rolling into a slow start here. Uh, There have been multiple times over the journey of the last year and a half. Uh, In fact, I thought about driving up and positioning the Jeep where you can see uh, what's left of the sign. It's actually the four by four posts that the sign used to hang on that said church office. And I actually have a picture of that sign, uh, I think on day one or two after the fire, we had accessed the property here and I took a selfie with that sign in the picture. Uh, And that was one of those moments where I just thought to myself, how did we get here? Uh, And then this morning I found myself asking a similar question. How did we get to this place where Um, want to go to church, but can't really go to church. And uh, by the way, I'm wearing a, a hoodie and you might think, well, that's not really church wear. Yeah. Don't you judge me. You're probably wearing sweatpants too. Uh, I'm not wearing sweatpants. I'm wearing jeans. I am wearing a sweatshirt. Uh, but how did we get here to a place where this is the way we do church right now? Um, and in life, I find that there are moments where in my own personal journey, I have asked the question, how did I get here? Uh, What steps did I take that uh, landed me in this position? And I'm grateful for scripture because it is a way of finding ourselves in life's journey. And one of the most helpful things my dad said to me over the years is he said, Steve, he said, God loves you. Uh, he doesn't want you to have to learn from your own mistakes. That's why he gave us scripture, because we can look at characters from history and learn from their mistakes, uh, sort of a roadmap and how not to follow in those footsteps and avoid the pitfalls. You can learn from other people's mistakes. Again, this is kind of the thought process of uh, how did I get here? sort of a a question. This past week we have been doing short devotional thoughts on Pilgrim's Progress and I titled this morning's message uh, Destination Unknown with a question mark because the blessing of the Christian journey is that the destination is not unknown. It is clear Christ's goal is for us to have eternity with us. So Here's an interesting sort of question I want to pose for us, is how do we uh, sort of plot ourselves and how do we find our way on life's journey using Scripture? Because God doesn't want us just to have our pilgrimage be a circular winding along finding our way. It is truly... God wanting to say, here's where you can plot yourself and here's where I'm leading you. The destination is not unknown. It's clear. It's an eternity with me where tears are wiped away and all things are made new. By the way, um, I, there's not really a good place to put this in, but um, we did lose two of our, well, lose is not the right term, especially in context of our conversation. Marna Benton passed away last Sabbath, and Paul Manaluska uh, early on Wednesday. So is that their destination? No, we grieve their passing because it's a loss for us in the time being, but there is an eternity waiting and a destination that God has clearly for those who rest in him. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're actually going to read most of the chapter. Matthew chapter 26, because this is um, this is a journey that Peter went on, and I want to sort of plot his journey on the map, because we can learn from it, and though it is one of the... Um, the saddest dramas played out in the story of Jesus, especially around the crucifixion. It is one of the most hopeful stories told because the end of it brings him back into a place where his eternity is secure in Christ and his destination is on track with Jesus. So, uh, Let's just pray as we dive in. Hopefully you have a Bible in front of you, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to begin reading uh, in verse 26 and read through most of the rest of the chapter. So bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessing of being on this journey with you and that our destination is not unknown, but it is clear and it is real And it is something you offer to each of us, like we talked about last night, through grace. And Lord, this morning as the rain is falling, uh, I pray that you would rain your spirit upon us. That we would sense the refreshing influence of you in our lives that brings new life and new growth. And so as we look at the story of Peter, uh, I pray that you would bring hope and courage into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read through uh, verse by verse and then come back on uh, back to verse 26, read through and go through point by point. Man, it's so fun to see each of you popping on. Uh, I do feel like I'm at church a little this morning. So starting in verse 26, uh, actually, I'd like to start in verse, yeah, 26 is good. Maybe I should give you a context, then we can start in verse 26. This is uh, finding Jesus and the disciples in the upper room as part of the Last Supper, and so you find them eating in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He is instituting the last supper and he uh, is, is, talking about his death and his sacrifice, but clearly wrapped up in that. He's saying, but this is not the end. This is the final, this is not the final destination. In fact, as a pledge, as a covenant with you, you drink, you eat. I won't until that day in eternity when I can eat and drink with you. By the way, it's going to be a really enjoyable experience. Uh, This coming Sabbath, Randy Waring is scheduled to be the speaker for church. And he will be hosting uh, an in-home, or maybe I should say he will be facilitating an in-home communion service. Where each of us in our homes uh, can have some grape juice and some unleavened bread. My favorite makeshift unleavened bread are wheat thins, by the way. It's just, it's unleavened. There's a little bit of salt. It's... Yeah, wheat thins is going to be what we use, but Randy's going to lead us in a communion service together as families in our homes, and it's going to be a blessing. And I want you to know that, uh, or notice, that the story we're about to dive into is right on the heels of this communion service. Because Jesus wants us to know that wherever our path has taken us in life, we can come back to the communion service and a repentance and a wholeness in him. And so this is a blessing that this story is couched or introed by the last story or the last supper story. By the way, my ADD is kicking in with comments. Keep them coming, by the way. Uh, But it makes me want to just sort of go with the comments as we go along, which feels like a round circle Bible study, which is exactly what we're going for this morning. So, uh, so now verse 30, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and we follow their story here. I want us to basically begin this story by realizing that this is the progression of Peter's experience to denial. In fact, maybe we could have titled this morning's message, The Road to Denial. I actually would like to title it, The Road Back from Denial, because that's really what the story is. After singing a him, they went out to the Mount of Olives, verse 31, and we're just going to read through. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after that I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing, too. Verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there to pray. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to be in the prayer garden for this morning's message, because I think it's just so appropriate to be in the garden By the way, have you seen the funny memes floating around Christian Facebook groups that said, in church we have replaced the hymn from He Touched Me to I Come to the Garden Alone? Okay, maybe that wasn't appropriate, but uh, it made me chuckle. So they go to the garden, verse 37. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So, You men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he's the one. Seize him. And immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, Do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached, and we know that from the other narrative to be Peter, reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12,000 legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me then but all of this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Verse 57, those who had seized Jesus led him away. If you're just joining us, uh, this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 57. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were gathered together. But Peter, who followed him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and entered in, and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now, the chief priests and the whole council kept saying to obtain false testimony against Jesus, so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Son, or Christ the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself, nevertheless, I tell you that hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists. And others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us. You, Christ, who is the one? Who is the one, who hit you? Now Peter, sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, "You too were with Jesus the Galilean," but he denied it before them all, saying, "Do I do not know what you are talking about?" When he had gone out of the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those and said to those who were there this man was with Jesus of Nazareth and again he denied it with an oath i do not know the man a little later the bystanders came up and said to peter surely you too are one of them for even the way you talk gives you away and then he began to curse and swear i do not know the man and immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said. Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. There's so much in, in these couple of verses here that um, we could spend a lot of time on this, and I'm, I'm tempted to go down those pathways. I mean, the pieces where this servant girl's to say, you've been with Jesus. Because you talk like it. This is such a cool thing that that when we have been with Jesus, it changes the way we talk, and it changes the way we carry ourselves. Now, I know that there's some Galilean piece in there and such, too, with identification with Jesus, but I love where it says, you've been with him. I can hear it in the way you talk. I think there's more to that than just being a Galilean. Peter then tries to sort of... uh, change the way he talks and uses vulgarity and, and tries to sort of go down that path. But I think probably one of the pieces that stung Jesus the most is when Peter says, I do not know the man. Because remember, Jesus had been one of the very, or Peter had been one of the very first to say, you're the Christ. When Jesus had said, who do people say that I am? And they said, oh, some say you're this prophet or that prophet or a prophet And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? It was Peter who said, you are the Christ. So I think when Peter let that fly out of his lips that I do not know the man that stung. So there's a lot in this. But what I want to focus on this morning is really Peter's road to denial. So go ahead and you might have to turn a page back to begin where we started in this page, because I'm going to go through just a few verse-by-verse pieces here. We won't read word-for-word the whole chapter, uh, but I want to submit to you that there are um, at least six, probably seven, sort of mile markers along this road to denial for Peter. If you look at verse 33, I would say that this is, milepost number one. It's the piece where Jesus is saying to them, you will be offended by me or of me tonight. Um, If you read it, verse 32, you can start there. After I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, verse 33. But Jesus said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, And that's where he talked about the rooster crowing. This is step number one. You find Peter in a mode of self-confidence. Oh, that he had stayed in the mode of the Last Supper where he just said to Jesus, well, then if you have to wash me, don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. I'm I'm all in need of you, Jesus. Instead, we find Peter being self-confident in this piece where Jesus says you'll be offended of me instead of Peter relying on Jesus saying, Jesus, I don't want to, please save me from myself. How do I not go down that path? Instead, you find Peter sort of in the very beginning stages of a pathway toward denial saying, no, not me. I I won't deny you, Jesus. If you're taking notes, I would go ahead and write down Uh, step number one on the road to denial or mile marker number one is self-confidence rather than confidence in Jesus. As the story progresses, you find Jesus in the garden with the disciples and in verse 39, we'll pick up there. Verse 39, it says, he went a little ways beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, "'My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, "'yet not as I will, but as you will.'" Remember, just before that, in verse 37, he had taken Peter and two others and said, "'Please watch and pray with me.'" But in verse 30, well, actually verse 40, says, "'When he came to the disciples "'and found them sleeping.'" He said to Peter, by the way, it's interesting, the disciples were were sleeping, but Jesus was especially trying to snap Peter out of this progression. He said to Peter, he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Step number two on this road to denial is sleeping when we should be praying. Jesus knew that tough times were coming. He knew that they were in uh, in progression toward Calvary. And so he had said and tried to warn them, listen, you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. You've got to be tapped into the Father. We've got to pray. Peter begins with self-confidence and then Step number two, he's sleeping when he should be praying. Oh, friends, I can, I can go back through my life experience and pinpoint times where I can identify spiritual lethargy in my own experience. Remember that, uh, that Scripture tries to wake up the church of Laodicea saying, you know, you're lukewarm, and there's this idea that there's a sleepiness when we should be watching and we should be praying. So number two is sleeping when we should be praying. Jesus knew that this was not a good path for Peter to be on, and so he tries to shake him out of it by saying, Peter, can't you watch and pray with me? Please keep watching, praying. the, the We'll just read it here. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into, into, into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The answer to that is not to try to bolster more strength on our own, but to go humbly to God in prayer and ask for strength. Step number two was sleeping when he should have been praying. Uh, moving forward in the story, and we'll skip down to verse 51. Actually, maybe we should just go ahead and couch it with verse 40. Verse 40, immediately Judas went to Jesus and, and said hail rabbi and kissed him and Jesus said to him friend do what you have come for then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him and this is the moment where Peter almost rubs the sleepy eyes out of his eyes because he's he hasn't been watching and praying he's been sleeping he's in a daze because of this or spiritual lethargy if you will so verse 51 is where Step number three comes in. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into his place. This is step number three, and I call it acting on our own wisdom or acting outside of Jesus' instruction or acting out of step with the Holy Spirit's guidance in our heart. The way to act on the wisdom of Christ or within the keeping of the word of God or within step of the Holy Spirit is that special time in prayer, watching and praying and realizing, well, I'm getting, I'm trying to retrace these steps because it's so progressive. Self-confidence leads to sleeping when we should be praying, and when we sleep rather than pray, we find ourselves acting on our own wisdom, outside of Jesus' instructions and out of step with the Holy Spirit. So verse 51 is where step number three comes in, acting on our own wisdom. Do you see, Peter? He's now out of step. He's acting on his own wisdom and out of his own reaction rather than looking to Jesus for instruction. The story progresses. You remember how this takes place. Jesus is taken by the crowd. He's taken into trial. And we pick that up in verse 57. Verse 57 says, Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered. And here's where we pick up Peter's journey. But Peter was following him at a distance this is step number four following Jesus at a distance do you watch the progression self-confidence leads to sleeping when we should be praying acting on our own wisdom and out of step with the Holy Spirit and scriptures guidance and within we find ourselves following Jesus at a distance following him at a distance not a closeness not a connectedness, but following Jesus at a distance. For much of Peter's story, in fact, this is almost unrecognizable of Peter because Peter has been clamoring to follow Jesus closely all the way up until now, but now he's, he's following Jesus at a distance. Following him at a distance is verse 58 and step number four. Moving down into verse 59, I'm sorry, 69, is where we near the denial, but we're not quite there yet. There's still step number five. Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus, the Galilean. Following Jesus at a distance leads to keeping company with those who are against Jesus rather than for him. Now remember that Jesus kept company with sinners, often kept company with sinners, but this is a different keeping company with sinners. This is sitting at the fireside of the enemy. This is keeping company to blend in with, and you're now being influenced by them rather than Jesus' mode of keeping company with sinners to influence them. So number five, step number five is at the fireside of the enemy, or keeping company with those who are not with or for Jesus, but those who are against him. This is verse 69. Interesting that Uh, the steps prior to this are pretty evenly paced out with, you know, four, five, eight verses in between. When we get to step number five in verse 69, it almost seems like there's an acceleration that takes place because self-confidence leads to sleeping when we should be praying, acting on our own wisdom, and then following Jesus at a distance leads us to keeping company sitting at the fireside of the enemy. And then right in the next verse comes number six, the denial itself, verse 70. So remember, verse 69, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant came to him and said to him, you two were with Jesus, the Galilean. And then verse 70, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he'd gone out into the gateway, this happened again. This is one of the most heartbreaking moments for Jesus because when all is on the line, his disciple denies him within his hearing. Ellen White brings out some commentary on this. She says that the look that Jesus, remember Judas is also on a track and you can follow these steps in his progression as well. But Judas uh, betrays Jesus. Jesus is in the courtyard this kind of sideline story, the other character that's playing out in real time during this time. And Judas is watching, and he believes that he has forced Jesus' hand into revealing himself. And Judas begins to watch as his plan unravels, because Jesus is not uh, miraculously removing himself or revealing himself. He's seemingly making no attempt to defend himself There are those who are stepping up and falsely denying Christ. And if you study the Jewish judicial system, uh, Judas was holding the ace up his sleeve, so to speak, in the fact that there had been betrayal money. Because if it was shown that there was false witness or testimony, because the Jewish judicial system was set up to prove people innocent, not prove them guilty. And this is a whole study that I look forward to sharing at some point. We won't get too deep into it right now, but the Jewish judicial system was designed by God, and it was designed to prove people innocent, not prove them guilty. So what happens is, is that Judas, in a moment of desperation to uh, vindicate Jesus, because he sees this going, going down in a way that he had not planned, he steps forward throws the 30 pieces of silver on the floor and says he's innocent. Judas believes that at this moment he has vindicated Jesus and in showing that he was betrayed and that there was dirty blood money involved. That's why it was so devastating when the high priest says, what is that to us? Um, And Ellen White's commentary on this that is in that moment, Jesus looks at Judas, an eye contact is made, and Jesus, in a look of love and benevolence and forgiveness and grace, longs to communicate to Judas. This doesn't have to be the end of the road for you, Judas. You can still be my disciple. Um, Remember that communication tells us that very little of communication is words itself, but that almost all of it, 70 percent More than 70% is body language and eye contact and those pieces. Um, Jesus communicates to to Judas, I still love you. What's amazing to me in Ellen White's commentary on this is that she says that in the moment that Peter denies Christ and leaves the courtyard, there is a look exchanged between Peter and Jesus as well. And she says that the same look that she gave Judas in that moment is the same look that he gave Peter in this moment. Judas and Peter chose to react to Jesus differently in this moment. Peter's story ends tragically. I mean, I'm sorry, Judas's story ends tragically. Peter's story, this is a moment of hope. Because Peter leaves the courtyard and weeps bitterly in repentance and remorse. This is amazing to me. So number six, verse uh, 70, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out of the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too were one of them. For even the way you talk gives it away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said. By the way, uh, if you are inclined, circle those three words. Peter remembered the word. Scripture is such an important piece of this journey. Peter, remembered the word which Jesus had said before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out bitterly, went out and wept bitterly. Friends, I want to tell you that there is hope in repentance because this is not the end of the journey. This is not the destination. In fact, this is the beginning of a return to Christ after denial and this is what the Last Supper is all about and I'm looking forward to next week with Randy Waring because remember that that Peter began at the Last Supper and progressed through this journey to denial but the blessing and hope of the story is that Christ offers a reversal of this story so I'd like for you to take and and this is this is sort of how here you go so take that road map and turn it around if you wrote your steps which actually you just read it backwards uh but let's reverse those steps and look at how hopeful this journey is because denial is not the destination a relationship with Christ and eternity with him is the final destination so follow this with me and and maybe just go ahead and take a, an arrow and write on your notes this 180 with an arrow going back the, the opposite direction because Peter actually retraced his steps in this. When you read through his journey after the resurrection where Jesus has that conversation with him on the beach, do you love me? And then as you see him operating and and acting in through the book of Acts as an apostle of Christ, you see clearly that, He reversed these steps uh, by God's grace. So reverse the steps with me, if you will. The opposite of remorse, or I should say the outcome of remorse and repentance is a turning toward Christ. So that sort of ending point of Peter's denial story becomes the beginning of his reconciliation with christ so instead of step number six being step number six it actually becomes step number one because the denying christ becomes professing christ this is the first step of a christian experience or a pilgrimage or a journey with jesus is to profess him to accept or claim the name of jesus the opposite of denying is to profess the name of Christ. This is step number one. Step number two is that it begins to uh, be an intentional piece of who we keep company with. I see this in conversion stories pastorally. I notice it in my own life as I turned to Christ as a young adult, that when we profess Christ, when we claim his name publicly, we begin to, to seek the company Of like-minded believers, the fellowship of other Christians. So instead of uh, keeping company and being at the fireside with the enemy, we begin to go to church. We begin to go to Bible study. We show up at prayer meeting. We surround ourselves with friends who strengthen and uh, point us toward Jesus rather than detracting or taking us away. So step number two begins to be what company do we keep by the way this is uh something that in youth ministry for years i talked to students and said look profess christ and then the next thing is to think about the company you keep start surrounding yourself with friends who point you toward jesus rather than detracting you away from him so step number two has to do with the company we keep when you begin to keep company with like-minded believers and strengthen each other and talk of christ all of a sudden you find that you're following Jesus more closely rather than at a distance. Do you see how the progression reverses itself? This is amazing. You begin to follow Jesus more closely. And when you follow Jesus closely, you realize that your own wisdom falls so short and you're so in need of Christ's insights and scriptures, instructions in your life that you're no longer acting on your own wisdom, but you're beginning to act First, by saying, truly, what would Jesus do? What would he instruct of me in this situation? There's a desire to be close to God so that we're acting out of his reaction, not our own reaction. And we realize that the way that happens is through prayer. That, that praying and seeking a closeness and an openness to the Holy Spirit and hearing the whispers of God becomes even more important than sleep. Prayer becomes more valuable than sleep. We find ourselves praying rather than sleeping. And a closeness with God in prayer and a dependence upon the Holy Spirit comes to a place where we distrust ourselves and we place our full trust in Jesus. Self-confidence is erased and replaced with a confidence not in ourselves, but in him, And the amazing piece of this is that that progression, when we reverse it back through, lands us right back at the Last Supper experience. No wonder Jesus instituted the Last Supper. And in John 13, when he uh, washes the disciples' feet and goes through the experience of the bread and the juice, he says multiple times, I've done this. You do this. As often as you do this remember me, because truly the communion service is to remind us that Peter's journey does not end in denial. It actually ends in a closeness with Jesus. And the communion service offers this in a repeating experience within the Christian church. So let me just go back through the progression from denial to a closeness with Christ, because friends, my prayer is that that this is our story and that the destination is not unknown. The destination is clear. It's a closeness with Christ in eternity. If you want that step number one, well, when you want that it's in a context of remorse and repentance, which leads you to step number one, professing Christ and claiming his name. It's the opposite of denial. It's a profession and a commitment to Jesus. This leads us to being intentional about the company we keep, and we seek out those who bring us closer to Christ and point us to him rather than detracting or leading us away from him. In the company we keep, if we surround ourselves intentionally with the fellowship of Christ, we find that our closeness with Christ Uh, deepens that we're following him closer rather than at a distance this leads us to acting not on our own wisdom but it leads us to seeking the wisdom of Christ and the wisdom of Scripture and desiring to hear his voice in our life which brings us to a place where prayer becomes more precious even than sleep and it's in that experience through prayer and a closeness with Jesus that self-confidence is erased and it's replaced by a confidence in him who can lead us safely home. Oh man. When when I realize that the story of Peter denying Christ is not a sad story, but it's the most hopeful story for me. I look at the times where I have denied Christ and let him down. And I realize that that doesn't have to be a discouragement to me, but it's the most encouraging piece that I can take that moment and go to God in repentance and reverse the steps and find myself in a closeness with Jesus. And that, my friends, is the destination I seek. It's the place I wanna be And I long for that journey to be a reality in your life today as well. So bless you in this journey. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for for moving my heart once again to the fact that the end of the story for Peter was not denial, but it was a closeness with you. Thank you that there's more to the story where we see in his life you truly through your grace reverse those steps and thank you that you met him by the seashore and said peter do you love me and peter was able to profess his love for you again so father i just pray that you would continue to bless us this sabbath sink deep into our hearts and minds and may we follow you more closely i pray in jesus name amen well friends i hope this was encouragement for you um I'm going to uh, not sign off immediately, but I'm going to see if I can scroll through the comments here. Maybe I'll do it from this side so I don't block the camera. I don't know that I can click all of the comments or scroll through them here. Oh, I can. Uh, This is so fun to see you all. I'm going to scroll through comments, and you can add up some more comments. Do we want to spend a little bit of time of discussion here? Uh, You can certainly end I had the closing prayer so you won't hurt our feelings if you sign off but I'm gonna oh man there's good ones here So many of you watching it's so fun to see you guys gonna th- go through and see if there are comments you can add some comments to the end if we want to continue conversation here watching watching oh man like we're at church. Yeah, those of you who are on, if you want to add up some discussion comments, I'm happy to sort of enter in in conversation, too. <laughs> this story is couched. We are all couched right now. <laughs> That's funny. It's good to see people who are out of the area joining in too. (laughs) Stanley's sleeping. Tell Stanley you should be praying. That's funny. Oh man, Texas. That's great. I do miss being with you all, Devon. I I really feel that. I I was really missing being in person this week. I uh, I would have liked to have gone to church with everybody present. <laughs> the rain in the background. Jeeps have a uh, a fiberglass roof, so the rain uh, is a little bit louder. It's kind of like the automotive version of a tin roof. I remember. Uh, when I was growing up, we lived in a mobile home for a time, and as a kid, I got used to the rain uh, falling on the tin roof, and then we moved into a house, and I couldn't hear the rain, and I missed it so much. Yeah, family selfies would be great. I'd like to see your sweatshirts so that I'm not the only one. Uh Can I post the reversal of the six steps? Yes. Or if someone took notes and wants to just put them in the comments, that'd be great too. Outdoor cathedral. I agree. Oh, Charlie Rolo. How are you guys doing? Are you still on here? Man, it's good to good to see. How many came to church in pajamas? Well, the selfies would show. Dashboard is a pulpit. Yeah. Uh, Doug saying, what personality difference were working to drive Judas' response as opposed to Peter? I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that personality bents uh, would, would, that one would be more advantaged toward repentance than another. Uh, but I think certainly... Um, our choices in response to conviction um, make a difference. you know I, I to me looking at the story of Judas versus the story of Peter, I find that that Peter was habitually soft toward the rebukes of Jesus and Judas seemed to be, a bit more hardened, or cynical, or less responsive. So you think of those times where, where the anointing of Jesus' feet, you get insights into Judas saying, "Oh man, you know, you should have done it a different way." So there were points where I see interactions with Judas that Jesus' correction or example doesn't uh, reach a softness in Judas. It's a bit more of a a hardness of heart. Uh, and with Peter, almost every time I see his response become soft toward Jesus. So that piece in the upper room where Jesus said, look, unless I do this, you don't have a place for me. Peter responded, he was, he was more in the habit of responding with openness and saying, you're right, Jesus, then anoint or, or, or cleanse all of me, not just my feet. Um, and Jesus said some pretty harsh things to Peter along the way, you know, get thee behind me, Satan, uh, in some of those things. But I find, I don't know that I see the personality thing at play as much as I look at the sort of profiling of Peter versus Judas, and Judas seems to have an edginess and a little bit of a hardness, where Peter seems to lean into habitually an openness and a softness um, of heart. I'm sure personality has a play, but I think every personality has um, certainly some some advantages and disadvantages. I don't think that our personalities position us some as easier to save than others. I think that's, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think personalities position us for some to be easier to save than others. Um, looking through here a little bit more. Yeah, Mons, I'm with you. I love that what looks like our lowest point can become the turning point and a new way forward. I, that's, that's where this story, instead of it becoming a, being a sad story, actually becomes one of the most hopeful stories of scripture. (laughs) I'm laughing at the comments about socks. I can't click on them. Eric, I can't click on the more while we're streaming. So I'm not quite sure what the more was. Jammies and sweatshirts. Yeah, Brielle, thanks for reminding that uh, you can click the bell on the Paradise Facebook, and then that way when we do go live, it'll ding for you. This fits our habit of hanging around in church after it's over. I really believe that that fellowship time after church is over is potentially the most important time together. When our leaders went up and looked at the church in British Columbia, we loved that the foyer uh, held as many people as the sanctuary, and that was intentional for them. Happy Sabbath to all. <laughs> How much of our church actually happens in this parking lot? Amen, Joel. Hi, Brittany. All right. Well, this was fun. Man, bless you guys. Have a good Sabbath and take hope in Jesus because uh, the final destination, the final destination is to be with him in eternity and with the loved ones who we miss. And when all tears are wiped away, uh, let that be our final destination is to be with Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I'm gonna click out. Love you all.